0: We're starting this brand new series today called Transform. It's going to be a four-week series uh, that's going to take us right up to Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, we're going to start off today uh, with uh, a story that uh, many of you, you may not be familiar with from the Bible. Some of you may. Some of you uh, may not. But before we get into that, uh, I wanted to share with you my own transformation story. Um, I used to have a, a driver's license with a photo on my driver's license, which was all almost unrecognizable. How many have ever had one of those? It's like, you know, the NBA take your shot and it's like, oh man, it's like, can I do it again? And they're like, no, you can't do it again. Like they are mean, the NBA. Uh, But I had this this picture and it was taken back in 2007. Um, And uh, when people used to look at it, they were like, that isn't you. And I'm like, no, that was me. And the reason was is because I was uh, uh, I was about fifty pounds heavier than I was. Well, maybe about thirty pounds heavier than what what I was right now. Um, And and I used to love having this uh, this picture because I call it my fat picture. I hope that's not offensive to anybody, but that's what I called it because it was my fat picture. And so I would look at it, and it was very inspirational to me because it it would remind me never get back to that state that I was in before. Um, and uh, and so I've I've had to renew my driver's license, and now I've got a new photo right now. So it's not as inspirational to me, uh, and uh, uh, and they wouldn't let me keep my old one. But uh, every time I would show people, people wouldn't recognise it. And so uh, it would kind of if I got stopped by the cops, and which I didn't when I had that, so thankfully. But if I had, they probably would have been like, "This isn't you," uh, because there was a transformation. Because you could see just in my face. You could see there was a difference, and uh, the word transformed means a dramatic and thorough change in form or appearance. And you could see there was a huge change in my appearance. And, that. and some of us, we're, we're, we're intrigued by transformations, right? I would show this to people, and people were like, well, how did you lose the weight? How did, how did you get from there to where you are right now? And unfortunately, I've put a few more pounds back on, so I'm thinking I may have to go through another transformation pretty soon. Uh, but we're intrigued. How many of you watched The Biggest Loser when like everybody in America was watching it? And it was like at one point, it was the number one rated show, and people were intrigued because you got people who really were grossly overweight, and it was causing them health issues and lifestyle issues, and they came on this show basically to see how much weight they could lose. And it was amazing, the transformation. So I don't know how many weeks, it was like 12 weeks long, but we couldn't wait to see the final episode, the final edition, where they would show everybody and how much weight they would lose. And nobody could recognize the people from how they started to how they, they end. And like, it felt like everybody was intrigued by The Biggest Loser. It was the same with uh, a few years ago with some of those uh, fashion shows, like on TLC and style, whatever, style TV. And what it was, they would get somebody who didn't dress very well or didn't dress appropriately. Somebody who maybe didn't do their hair very well, didn't know how to do their makeup and things. And they they would take them and they would like bash their clothing and throw all their clothing away. Um, And then they would take them to the store, buy new clothes for them. They would give them a new hairdo. They would give them a manicure and a pedicure. And then they would put makeup on them. And that was the ladies. And uh, I'm not sure if they did that to the men or not. But, uh, But then at the end, they would gather all their friends and family family and they would come either behind like a wardrobe or a screen and they would come out and everybody was like whoa because they could not believe the transformation that they saw they remember the person how they were but they they couldn't imagine the person of what they had become and we are intrigued by people who transform themselves And I wonder why we are so intrigued by people to transform themselves. Why are our eyes drawn to them? Why does it make good viewing on TV? Well, I think it may be for two reasons, and I could be wrong, but I think the first reason is we appreciate the hard work it took to transform. If someone loses a lot of weight, we appreciate the hard work that it took for them to go work out, to eat right, to be able to lose, shed the pounds, so that they could become healthy. We appreciate that because we know how hard it is. I know how hard it is, and I'm sure you guys know how hard it is. There was tons of candy around here yesterday. It was so easy just to like eat candy and eat candy and eat candy. And and I was very proud of myself because I didn't. And so we know how hard it is. But also I think the other reason why we're so intrigued is because we love to see people in a different light. People in a different way that we could never imagine them being. We love to see the diamond in the rough become shiny. We love to see something that our creative mind could not imagine. And so, like I said this morning, we're going to talk about a story of transformation. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a question this morning. And the question is this. When I say the name Jesus, what comes to your mind? When I say to the name Jesus, what images do you have in your mind? What do you think of when I say the name Jesus? And this crowd this morning may may be a little different to the general public. But this is what many people think when we think Jesus. They think a man. They think a good man. A moral man. Some people, they would think a healer. Others would think a teacher or a rabbi. Some would say he's like this mystical ghost who walks on water. While others would think of a man who is on a cross. There's lots of different things that people would think about when we say the name Jesus. And so just think to yourself this morning. When I say the name Jesus, what immediately comes to your mind? There was a group of disciples who followed Jesus, and they learned from Jesus, and Jesus taught them. And when they followed Jesus, they understood that Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a rabbi who asked them to come and follow him, and so they came and followed Jesus as a rabbi. But they understood there was something different about Jesus. He was a unique rabbi for them. He was somebody who was unique. And a rabbi is someone who interprets the scriptures, the Bible, the Torah, and the prophets. And and they understood there was something different about Jesus because Jesus' interpretation of the old Jewish writings in the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then the prophets of old and the Psalms, Jesus' interpretation was so revolutionary that they knew there was something different about Jesus. They saw that Jesus could heal people. He could work in the supernatural. They saw that even the winds and the waves actually obeyed the voice of Jesus. They saw that Jesus was a different kind of man. And in fact, the disciples were even starting to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. What the Messiah was, he was the chosen one of God who would be sent to this world to help save the people of Israel. That's what they believed the Messiah was. And they believed that Jesus was the chosen one who would come and save God's people. And so we come to a point in the lives of the disciples when Jesus came and asked them this question. He said, who do people say I am? And so the disciples look back and says, well, Jesus, some say that you're Moses, some say that you're Elijah, some say that you are a prophet. And Jesus looked to them intently and says, but who do you say I am? And at that moment, Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, had this amazing revelation and he blurted out, Jesus, you are the son of the living God, you are the Messiah. He had this revelation of God. And we think that we put like Peter on this pedestal because he had this revelation of God. But yet two days later, Jesus starts talking to his followers. And he starts saying some harsh things to them. He starts talking about his death and his resurrection and how he's going to leave this world. And it became this very, very uh, uh, negative conversation almost in, in the disciples' eyes. It was like Jesus going through this act of melancholy. And the disciples were getting a little concerned because Jesus had this positive message. And the people had followed him because of this positive message. And now... People were like, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus anymore. He's like a party pooper. Like, what happened to this positive message? And so do you know what Peter did? Peter, the guy who says, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. He comes up to Jesus and he whispers in his ears and he says, Jesus, you better start quitting saying that stuff. That stuff's not going to fly around here. He reprimanded Jesus. And Jesus turned to him. And he looked at Peter, it's almost like he looked past his eyes, and he saw kind of just the the motive and the spirit behind what Peter was saying. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, well, he didn't say Peter's name, but he looked at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. So in the matter of two days, Peter has had this revelation that Jesus is this unique man who just may be the Messiah So now he's having this confrontation with Jesus because he's not liking what Jesus is saying. So this is the content when this transformation story happens. Six days later, Jesus turns to Peter, James, and John, his three closest disciples. And he says, come with me. We're going to go up to a mountain to pray. You want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-eight. Said about eight days later. That's eight days after Jesus said, uh, uh, or Peter said, "You are the Son of the Living God." We we see this from uh, some of the other. Mark says six days later, which was after Peter uh, uh, reprimanded Jesus. So about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John. And James up to the mountain to pray. What I love about Jesus is because we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus isn't any human being. We know that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh of a man. What I love about Jesus is even though who Jesus was, Jesus still saw the need in his life to practice the discipline of prayer. He understood the importance of prayer. And if Jesus understood the discipline of prayer, how much more do we need to pray? Prayer was his connection with the Father, with God. How much more do we need a connection with God to get through our lives, to to do the things that we need to do, to live a life of faith, to be able to serve God? We need to connect with God. And I love this about Jesus because Jesus saw the importance of, of, of prayer. And you see through the Gospels that there's many times that Jesus goes off on his own to pray. But what I love about this story is that Jesus decided, I'm not going to pray alone tonight. I'm going to take my buddies with me. Because he understood the importance of not just private prayer, but community prayer. Prayer in community, prayer with other people. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst, God said And Jesus understood this. He understood it's important to pray together. And and I encourage you individuals to gather together with others and have times when you pray for one another and pray together. Because Jesus saw the importance. So how much more important should it be for us? So they go up to the mountain and they pray. Let's continue reading. Luke 9 verse 29. It says, As he, meaning Jesus, was praying The appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. I mean, he must have had some OxyClean or something. It says, suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from the world, meaning Jesus was going to leave this present world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So we see here that Jesus starts praying, and something incredible happens when Jesus starts to pray. It's amazing when we actually seek out time to connect with God, something incredible happens with our lives. And what happened with Jesus, his form and appearance was thoroughly changed. The Bible says he was transformed. His face was transformed. And when you spend time with God and you come together in prayer, whether on your own or in community with others, there's something incredible that happens. When you start to connect with God, it's like God shows up and you are transformed. When we started this church, the very first public service that that we had when we started, one of the ladies in our church, Lynn, uh, she's a dear lady to me. She's like a, uh, a spiritual mother to me. Uh, I hadn't seen her for about nine months, and she showed up at our first service. And she's been here ever, ever since. And she looked at me, and she said, Alex, she said you look totally different. And as soon as she said it, I knew exactly what she meant. I hadn't changed. You know, I still had the same hairdo that I've had since 2005. You know, I didn't have a beard or anything like that. I looked exactly the same as she'd seen me last time, but I knew exactly what she meant. For the seven days prior, I had had an amazing time in just prayer with God. I had fasted for seven days, and I had come out of that refreshed and, uh, and just experiencing God and just full of God. And there are times in your life where you you feel full of God. And that was one of my times I just felt full of the Spirit of God and Jesus inside of me. And she saw me and I knew exactly what she meant. For there was this glow, she said, about me. And now I wish I had that glow all the time. I don't. You know, some mornings I wake up and there's no glow at all. It's like dull. That's all it is. But... She saw me and there was a transformation in my face because I had spent time with God. And here we see that Jesus starting to change. An earthly man who was every bit human like you and me in this moment of prayer was transformed. And the glory of who Jesus really is started to shine through. It's like the the inner Jesus started to shine through the flesh and the bones. And so Jesus' transfor- appearance was transformed. Let's continue reading. Verse 32. And it says, Peter and the others, meaning James and John, had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' or they saw Jesus's glory and the two men standing with them. Now, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment Firstly, Jesus said to them, at the end of a long day, it's getting dark, and Jesus says, hey, let's go up the mountain to pray. So now they go on a little hike, and they get to the top of the mountain, and then they start to pray. And what do they do? They fall asleep. It's like there's tons of times when the disciples went to pray, and they fall asleep. And sometimes we're like, who are these people? They're with Jesus. Why are they falling asleep? How many of you have ever fallen asleep praying? Okay, so some of you. So this is what I know. Just from my personal experience, if you pray long enough, you're gonna fall asleep. I've done it plenty of times myself where I've gone to pray and it's like an hour later, I woke up, I was like, well, that was a wonderful restful time with Jesus. You know, I mean, it's just like, whoa, what happened where did the time got? So, my best friend, Wesley, he's a pastor in England and his dad was a pastor and his dad was known for preaching long, long sermons. I mean, like, they were boring. I'll be honest. They were just like painful to sit through. He would preach for about 45 minutes to an hour on a Sunday night. Now, we, people don't like Sunday night church as it is. So we would go, uh, well, he would go to his dad's church and sometimes I would go off. My dad would have him come and preach. I'd be like, oh man, we're going to be there all night. He just goes on forever. Well, one night, Wesley had been working that Sunday and he went to his dad's church that night, and they went to the church service. Well, Wes was so tired, he fell asleep. And and I know you guys sometimes fall asleep during my sermons. I know that, especially at the movie theaters. When we were at the movie theater, those who were there, I saw you guys. Like it was dark, but I could just see you enough. So he would fall. He would fall asleep. He fell asleep during his dad's sermon. And he woke up right at the end of his dad's sermon. At the end of his dad's sermon, every Sunday night, his dad would say, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then stand to your feet and we're going to pray with you. Every Sunday night, he would say that. Well, where is it fallen asleep? And he woke up just as his dad was finishing his sermon. And he heard his dad say, stand to your feet. So what did my best friend do? He stood to his feet. And which is pretty funny, you know, he's like, he's like looking around while I'm the only one standing, which is pretty funny. But the funniest thing is this, his dad was a pastor of a little like country church. His dad looked, he was sit he was in the back, he stood up and his dad was like, Wes, like from the pulpit. He was like, Wes, do you really want to give your life to Jesus Christ again? He goes, you've already done it once. And Wes just suddenly starts getting all red and he looks around and he realizes what's going. And he just sits right down again. I mean, totally, totally embarrassed. You know, and that's what happens sometimes. We, we're in, in, in the presence of God and we fall asleep. When I was a kid, we uh, used to go to the prayer meeting at my dad's church. It was on Monday nights, 7.30 till 9 o'clock, we would be there. And, uh, and, and we would drug everywhere, every uh, Monday night. And one night, I was just tired and I fell asleep. I was like 12 years old at the time. And I was sitting right at the aisle seat right here. And my sister, who was really honorary and she like kind of beat me up when I was a kid. She was sitting right next to me. So you know what she decided to do? She decided, I think it would be really funny to push my brother into the aisle. So the next thing I know is I'm asleep, and I wake up, and I'm in the middle of the aisle, and I've got all these people in this prayer meeting looking at me. It is easy to fall asleep in church. It's easy to fall asleep in prayer, and this is what these disciples did. But can you imagine just for a moment, they've fallen asleep, they wake up and then suddenly they see a glory like they've never seen before. They see they see Jesus looking so different and then they see Moses and Elijah. It's like they are dreaming. It, it must feel to them like they have never, they haven't even woke up. And for the first time in their lives, they see this amazing glory. Now, I don't know how they knew it it was Moses and Elijah. I'm not sure if Moses and Elijah walked in right now, I would recognize them. I mean, I've seen the Ten Commandments, so I got a good idea what Moses looks like you know, a big stick. Maybe like Elijah, I don't know, had like some chariots around him or something like that. I'm not sure. But all I knew, they said they saw Jesus and they saw Moses and Elijah. And for the first time in their lives, they didn't see a fully human Jesus. Now they were seeing the glorious Jesus, the fully God Jesus. And they don't want to move. They are unmoved. They want to stay there. They want to stay in that moment. Who wouldn't? You've seen now the fully God, Jesus. You're seeing this most amazing experience, a glory that you've never seen before. Why would you want to leave that place? Why would you want to go? And it's at this moment that things started getting a little weird. See, I find it amazing that even in the middle of the most incredible God moment of their lives, their humanity still started to shine through. This is what they did. Luke chapter 9, verse 33. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, I'm not sure where they were going, but they went to leave. Peter, not even knowing what he said, blurted out Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials one for you, one for Moses. And one for Elijah. In this moment, they were seeing the glory of God. But yet, Peter, James, and John started to put Moses and Elijah on the same level as Jesus. They didn't just say, hey, let's build a memorial for Jesus. They were like, no, let's build three separate memorials. Even in this moment where they were experiencing the glory of God... They started to put others on the same level of G- as Jesus. And it's amazing if you read church history, like if you ever want to do that. Like some of you, why would I want to do that? But if you read just through the centuries, time and time and time again, people in the church of Jesus Christ have started to elevate men on the same level as Jesus So last year when we went to Nicaragua on our missions trip, Raquel and myself, we went a couple of days earlier. She's got some family there. And we wanted to spend some time with some family and just go around. It was where she was born, so go around her place of birth. And we were staying with uh, her cousin. And her cousin, great guy. And one Sunday morning, it's in the city of Madagalpa, which is up in the the mountains, beautiful city. We were going to his house to uh, get some food. And it was a Sunday morning. And as we're going up, he he lives on a hill. As we're going up the hill, suddenly there was this big cry, this big commotion, and we had to stop right there. We waited there for like 15 minutes. And I turned to Raquel's cousin. I'm like, what is going on? And he was like, well... See that thing over there that they're carrying on their shoulders? And there was all these people and there was some group of guys carrying something on their shoulders. They were like, it's a shrine that somebody took to their house so that they could, their house could be blessed. And now they're bringing it back to the church. So I was like, are you serious? Like they were following in a procession and they were like janting and going for joy with this, with this shrine. And I said, what religion are they? And he said, they would profess to be Christians. I was like, what kind of Christian would make a shrine and worship a shrine above Jesus? But yeah, that's what they were doing. And I was amazed. And this is what Peter, James, and John did in this moment. And notice this. They wanted to stay in this moment. They didn't want to leave this moment at all. And if you've ever experienced one of those supercharged, supernatural moments with God that are so incredible, they are hard to leave. I know in my life, I've experienced some moments where it just feels like God is present and you don't want to leave. Some moments that I know that I could not explain or I could not have imagined and I've experienced God. But yet, in this moment, they started to worship the experience instead of the one whose glory changes everything. And let me just tell you, as your pastor this morning, you have to be careful of people who chase the experience. I was brought up and I grew up in a tradition where we were very experience-based. And I loved it. It was great. And I like the experience. I like experiencing more things of God and the supernatural and all that. But you have to be careful of people who just chase after the experience. People say, well, it's not church unless, you know, we're experiencing God. But yet the church was never created by Jesus so that we could come together to have an amazing experience. Do you know what the church of Jesus Christ was created for? It was was created to come together, to gather, to create disciples, to go into the world and make more disciples. It wasn't created so that we could come and experience. It was created so that we could go and share the good news of Jesus Christ to this world. And while I love the experience, do you know what the experience is meant to be? The experience is there so that we can be Changed. And we have to be careful not to love the experience more than loving the person of Jesus Christ. See, God will give those supernatural experiences. If you're on this faith journey long enough, you will experience those times where you experience, like Peter, James, and John, the glory of God, but they were not meant so that we could have a good time and then go to the buffet and eat and forget all about it and come back next week and try to replicate it. They were created so that we could be changed and transformed. See, Up until this point, the disciples had only ever experienced the man, Jesus. Look what happens next. Luke chapter 9, verse 34. But even as Peter was saying this, building the shrines, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. The experience ended. And they didn't tell anybody at that time what they had seen. See, experiences like this are meant to change us. And the real transformation that happened here, even though the story is about the transformation of Jesus, and the face of Jesus, the real transformation that happened was in the hearts of Peter, James, and John. For they realized that night that Jesus was not just fully human, but Jesus was fully God. They came off that mount that night knowing that Jesus was the manifestation of God in the flesh. They knew he was the Messiah, the chosen one, the one who was sent from God to rule the nations and judge the nations. He was the one who would bring salvation to the people of God. They realized that night that he is God. He is the one who is here before time began. He is the one who lives for eternity. They realized that night that he is the almighty God. And because of that, he is to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped. And this Friday, we're going to gather together as a church to come and worship God. Not just worship a man, not just worship a teacher or a rabbi. We're not coming just to worship, just a healer or or somebody who who can provide for us. We're coming on Friday night together to gather to worship the one and only, infinite, almighty, incredible God. His name is Jesus and he has come to save you and save me. That's why we're coming to worship. We're coming in this place to give glory to a holy God, to join with the chorus of heaven, the song of heaven, and sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, because that is who Jesus is. So I ask you again today, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? My prayer today is that you will not leave this place with the same view of Jesus as you came in. My prayer today is that you leave with a greater view of Jesus. A Jesus that you could not even imagine or comprehend. See, it's when we see Jesus as King. Then that's when we are transformed and our lives are thoroughly changed. Our appearance and our form is transformed. Because we have a grasp of who Jesus really is.